Mom, Dad, leave me alone. I'll get a job later. Now I'll turn down the music later. Now I got a video game to play. We got a chat session coming up. Those might be some phrases you hear in your house if you are uh, have a man-child that you've been raising at home. I am Britt Nipper, back with Pastor Dan Burrell. This is episode two. If you didn't hear the first episode, go back and take a listen to that. We started talking about uh, the rise of the man-child. So we're going to continue that conversation today. Well, the last episode, we kind of talked about some characteristics of what to look out for. And uh, this episode, we're going to talk a little bit more about why it's a problem, what's causing it, and dive a little bit deeper into man-child. Yeah. Uh, Britt, last time you had asked me, what can we do to prevent it? And I started off with the idea that part of it begins with limiting the amount of access they have uh, to technology. Um, let, let me go beyond that a little bit more and give some other ideas. I believe that you should encourage your child to work and to possibly work for pay as soon as they possibly can. Um, again, let me tell you what the postmodern parent has believed and said. Well, when I was a kid, I missed a lot of fun times because I was working. Um, I started working when I was 14. I worked for a neighbor. I made $1.90 an hour. Uh, I, but, you know, it was a relief to me to go to town and work at his carpet shop because that way I wasn't having to work in the fields with my dad mm. putting a pay and fixing <laughs> fences. Um, so and, and dad didn't pay me. Yeah. <laughs> so this was this was a relief to me. Uh, you know, were there times when I griped about, you know, I didn't get to go do this and, you know. But first of all, by and large, a lot of the guys were working as soon as they could get a, a paycheck. Um, the second thing is that looking back on it, I learned a work ethic that I could have only learned at that age. Um, and, and so I would just say to you, um, find, find some things that are involving work on productivity that you can start assigning to your kids. For instance, you know, a 14 or 15 or 16-year-old child is very capable of doing their own laundry. They're very capable of putting their laundry in the drawers where it belongs. They're at least capable of gathering their dirty laundry and bringing it down to the laundry room. They're capable of making their bed. And you say, well, I can't even make my kid make their bed. Well, you know, you enroll them in the, enroll them in the military. They're going to <laughs> learn very, very quickly. And they're going to discover that there is someone who is capable of making them make their bed. Yeah, I was about to say, let them know who's in charge and tell them to do it. Yeah. Yeah. You're the yeah. parent. Yeah. If you, if you want your one hour of internet today, then you're going to need to make your bed. And you're not making your bed if I have to remind you, or you're not getting your hour if I have to remind you to make your bed. And you say, well, that just sounds so oppressive or what and, – and quit buying into the world's philosophy of what oppressive is or what parenting is. Or be, be the parent. Be the leader. Be the grown-up um, and, and have some expectations. And it's not about you getting out of work, but that is a benefit. You should not have to be doing everything for your adolescent child, and you definitely should not be doing it for your adult child. This brings me to another thing. I believe that once your child gets out of school – they should not only be expected to to have a job, but they should be expected to pay for, toward the expenses. This is what I, I strongly recommend: that once your child has has graduated from college, and they're and, and if they decide to move back in for a year, for six months, or whatever, uh, maybe you make an agreement that says, uh, you know, I'm going to give you a year to find a job in an apartment. Um, or you may say, you know, uh, work on your student debt for a little while, something along that line. Um, but during that time, still charge them rent. And again, it doesn't have to be $1,000 a month if that's what they would have to pay for, you know, half of a, a rental apartment. But it could be 500 a month for food and, and for that. 
And, and you say, well, I really don't need it, so why should I charge it? That's not the issue. The issue is teaching your kids to live on a budget, teaching your kids that things cost, um, m- making sure that they have to keep their job in order to keep their uh, keep their roof over their head. And you don't have to spend it. Put it in an account. Don't tell them you're doing this. Put it in an account. And uh, when they get ready to buy their first house, say, hey, by the way, you remember when you paid rent to me for two mm. years? Here's the, here, put this on your I down like payment. I yeah. So, um, you know, or you can keep it. <laughs> you know, that's the other. You can take a cruise. Well, and I think that also would uh, encourage the child to move out quicker. Of that's like, I don't want to have to pay mom and dad this money. I'd rather go be on my own. That's that a very big part of that. And by the way, you know, stop this thinking that says, yeah, but I'm just so happy when they're at home and I know what they're doing and it, and I'm just not ready for them to leave home. You need to grow up too. Okay, it's not normal for adults who are not sharing the same bed to be living under the same roof. It is a recipe for for crisis and for conflict. And and you say, yeah, but look in Asian countries, you have three generations living under one roof. Yeah, if you're going to live by that Asian rule, there are a bunch of other Asian rules you need to live by, and you're not going to like them. All right, <laughs> I've got very good friends who are Asians. Um, but in other other parts of the world, and by the way, grandma and grandpa don't get the best suite usually in, oh, in, yeah. in those kind of settings. So. <laughs> So you may have to move out of your master bedroom if this is your situation. Uh, but that's their retirement plan. I don't think it's your retirement plan. The, the, the bottom line is this. You are a success if you equip and prepare your child to live independent from you. You want grandchildren? You want to go over to their house for Thanksgiving dinner every once in a while? Prepare them for that day. And by the way, there are worse things that you can go through in life than than seeing your child drive away to their own apartment, like having to go visit your child in prison, mm. or like having to di- having to to uh, uh, take your kid down to a mental health clinic or to an addiction center, uh, or the cops showing up because they were looking at underage porn on uh, in exactly. your basement. Yeah, and I've seen that happen. So there there are worse things that can happen. The other thing too is that your house, your rules. You need to be making some rules. If you if if you know, there ought to be, it ought to be uncomfortable for them to live with you. If you make it like, you know, a free room and board at the, at the Hilton, um, your kids aren't idiots. They're and see, I think you just that. said, I think you just said something though. You, you need to make it uncomfortable for them to live there. When you're dealing with this stuff, it's uncomfortable for you too. Cause some of the things you've already said, I mean, again, I have a seven and a five year old and a, a little girl, but it's, it isn't easy to say, go make up your bed. I told you to take out the trash. You're not touching your mm-hmm. iPad until you do what I say. Mm-hmm. Well, I don't want. Well, then you're not getting it. Mm-hmm. How many people just don't even want to deal with that at all? Right. So fine, take it, do this. I'll go do it myself. Right. So it's uncomfortable for you in addition to them, but you are teaching them valuable lessons. Yeah, and many times we capitulate because we don't want the conflict. Exactly. So what we do is we teach them to cause conflict, and they'll capitulate. Hmm. It sounds like a lot of adults that we have in this world now, isn't it? It, it is, and that's ultimately what happens because at 30 years old, your kid should not need you to do their laundry, cook their dinner, and you shouldn't go collect their dirty plates from their from their dresser. That that's if you're doing that, you have failed as a parent. Let me say that again. If you are cleaning up after you're 30 old and they're not physically handicapped, if you are paying all their bills, if you are doing their laundry and if you are cooking their food and cleaning up the dishes afterwards, you have failed and are failing as a parent. So change. So change. Again, you as a parent. We ought to enjoy the, the the seasons of your life, and there is this season that should be coming. And 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 by the way, let's stop blaming the economy on everything. Hmm. Um, 
this this drives me crazy because well you know we want here's what we want and our kids want this too they want all the privileges that we have worked years to acquire so they want new furniture they want they want to be able to go to disney world they want to be able to take a cruise they want to be able to uh you know to to get in a jet and and go someplace uh, for the weekend these are the privileges of grown-ups. These are the these are the privileges of someone who has worked hard, saved, uh, balanced their money, invested wisely, and have gotten to that. But this is not the routine that most twenty-year-olds get to enjoy. So I wonder what's caused that because it does feel like a, a new phenomenon within the last fifteen to twenty years that this generation now expects to have what their parents yeah, have. I take right it away. further back than that. Actually, I take it back to the boomers, and I blame the boomers, and I'm I'm at the okay. very end of the boomer generation because many boomers came out of the Great Depression era. They knew real want or they heard their parents talking about real want. I I heard my grandparents talk about killing rabbits, shooting rabbits, and that was the only meat they had. How they would cut firewood all day long and sell it to neighbors to have enough money to pay their bills. The depression of the 20s and 30s was horrible. Then you had World War II in the 40s. So there was a period of about 20, 25 years that Things were a mess in this country, and people had a tough, tough time. So when they came out and the baby boom happened when the busters came home from war, Mm -hmm. and all these babies were born, suburbia happened across the country, parents said, I never want my kids to go through what I went through. But what they didn't realize is what they went through is what made them. Gave them their work ethic, gave them their grit, gave them their backbone. And so by protecting and sheltering and shielding their kids from hard times and from hard work, they created an entitled and soft generation. And that generation, they just did what they and, – and every generation, apparently, unless you're just a monster, you want your kids to do better than you yeah. did. You want, them to, you want them to have easier times. And, and, and so – but you keep doing that forward, 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 and we've not had any – horrifically trying times. I mean, even COVID, they kept sending us checks, right? <laughs> We've not known <laughs> exactly. want in this country. Yeah. Um, and so, and so, and now what, what are, what are their expectations? Well, you should forgive my college loans. Yeah. I shouldn't have to pay for those. You should give me a free college education. By the way, if everybody gets a free education, it's worthless. Yeah. You know, if you don't have to work for it, it loses its value. If you don't have to sacrifice for it, it's not important. So, but but we have created this where I resent you because you've worked hard and you've squirreled away some money. You should give that money to me because I don't want to work that hard and you shouldn't force me to do that. But you should give me the same resources you do because everybody should be equal. So we're buying into this uh, egalitarian myth that that believes that equal is a great equality is a great virtue. And I don't, I think it's destructive. Um, equal opportunity. Yes. But you don't have a right to what I have if you didn't work like I worked. Mm-hmm. Um, but again, there's going to be a lot of young socialists who would absolutely lose their mind for me saying stuff like that out loud. Yeah. Until they actually had to live in a socialist economy and government. And then they would realize, oh, maybe it's not as good as what everybody yeah, led I'm, me to believe. I've got tons of Venezuelan and Cuban friends who would like to have a chat with them. Um, but but putting the responsibility, the weight of adulthood on your kids is is an important uh, part of getting them out of the man-child phase. Here's here is a um, here here's a disturbing part of the train. You say, well, why do you keep saying man-child? Why don't you say woman-child too? Because we're not seeing it in, in young ladies. Now here's here's what's going on. Sixty percent of people going to college right now are women. 
you know, this this feminist mantra that, you know, men are dominating, men, you know, or so forth. It's it's largely a myth in, in many of their arguments. Far more women are going to college. Far more women are graduating from college. So of the 60% that go uh, to college, um, uh, about 60% of the of the girls are graduating from college where only 40% of the guys are. So the guys are only going at a rate of 40% and then only 40% are graduating. Wow. So you see these, these numbers that are creating far more female graduates than male graduates, almost, not quite, but in some areas, some area of uh, colleges, almost a two-to-one basis. So where'd the guys go? Where Where are they? So the research is showing that guys are far more likely to be living at home in their 30s than girls. Why? Because girls, first of all, they come out, they've got a college degree, they've got a career, they've got debt, they need to get it paid off. The, the whole culture says, here, I'm, uh, here is woman, let, hear me, uh, I'm woman, hear me roar. Uh, we're we're going we're gonna to break through the glass ceiling. Every message that you see is, Women should be succeeding. Women are being oppressed. Women should get—and this isn't an anti-feminist screed I'm doing here. I'm just saying these are the messages of our current culture. So women are going out, and they're getting good jobs. They're paying off their debt. They're getting secure. They're not messing around the way guys are messing around. So this keeps going through their 20s, late 20s, and early 30s. And then at about 32, all of a sudden— Women start hearing something go tick, 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 tick between their ears. And that's their biological clock. And in the heart of many women is this desire to, yeah, I want babies. I, I want to be the mom. I can have it all. That's what they've been told. And so, well, most of them say, well, if I'm going to have a baby, I'm going to need a man. And, and so they, they start looking for husbands. So they look for a husband. What kind of husband does a successful, well-educated uh, woman want? She wants a man who is successful and well-educated, who can clean up after himself and doesn't need another mother, but needs a wife and a partner. And and where are all the men that are available? They're in mom and dad's basement playing video games and playing with geno- or pornography. Guys, listen to that. There's women out there waiting for you. Yeah, you don't have to be an incel They're, they're gamer. waiting for you. So, so what? It, why is that? Is I mean... I know that there are plenty of women, uh, girls that play video games. I know that. But right. on the whole, I would say overall, they don't play them as much as men. Or they, I know pornography is a problem for women. They, We like to hide right. that and say yeah. it's a man thing. But yeah, is, and, is it me, just let, not as big of an issue? Yeah. Let me just pause here and say I get so weary of that as a counter argument. Men are, men function different than women. And, and, and I, this happens all the time. Well, you know, I, I know a girl and she's a gamer. It doesn't change the statistics. I mean, just look around you. You know the guys. Go to a GameStop. Are there still GameStops? Mm-hmm. There are. Go to a GameStop. 80% of the people in there are men. Mm-hmm. And 10% are, are women buying stuff for their guys. <laughs> you know, so there may be one out of 10 that's a girl in there finding it. You know, but... We have a stilted view of the world, and we're in denial about the consequences of feminism, of laziness on the part of men, on the failure of boomer parents to raise their kids up. There's a, there isn't one thing to blame about this. There are multiple things to blame. And until we get out of the denial stage and own this, and by the way, the church needs to own that we need to do a better job of training our young people what a biblical marriage, biblical parenthood 
looks like because the backbone of civilization, particularly in this culture, has been the Judeo-Christian ethic, whether it was the work ethic or the ethic of family, even the ethic of government. And the further we remove ourselves from these things, the the more precarious civilization gets for us. And so the church has to step up and do it. We're not supposed to disciple kids, but we ought to be training parents on how to disciple kids. We have failed at that. And that's one of the things I'm working on at this moment with a a group of other pastors and leaders across the country. And with that biblical worldview taught to your child, I mean, I know me growing up, you you are taught that work is important and valuable and that it's good. God created it for us to be good. He created us to get married, to leave the home, to leave your father and mother and cling to your wife or your husband. So having that biblical foundation almost drives a person to want to be a part of the community that's a, a good citizen. Yeah. Work is a gift, and we need to see that. That was one of the things that the Puritans uh, brought to this country and the, and, the, and the Protestants. And the idea is that work is a gift because work well done glorifies God. Hmm. The Bible says, whatsoever your hand finds to do, do it with your might. Uh, there, you know, while while work it was indeed part of the curse by the sweat of your brow you would eat, uh, it goes back to Genesis and, and, and the sin curse. At the same time, you know, the angels had assignments. Work has always been part of God's economy. So work gives us purpose. Work gives us meaning. Work is not to be avoided, and it's not to become an idol, and that happens. But work is as part, as much a part of life as is eating, drinking, sleeping, sex, all the other things that God has introduced to us. And if we do them the way God designed for them to be done, then it's good for us. It's fun. It's enjoyable. It 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 helps us advance. It gives us meaning and significance, and ultimately, it glorifies God. So you know, so you give your you give your kids toys to play with. Why not? You know, when I was a little kid, my dad bought me one of those my, one of those push plastic lawnmowers. Mm, well, actually, yeah, my first one yeah. was metal because plastic wasn't popular <laughs> when I was a little kid. It had a metal clacker in it. Got to it be that, a thousand degrees in <laughs> July, right? Yes, <laughs> touching it burned you. <laughs> but it had a little metal clacker in it. It drove my dad nuts when I would take it inside, and so he broke the clacker. What, what kind of dad does that? But it made it sound like a, a, a lawnmower. But so I would follow him. He would He would do the push lawnmower, and I would follow him around the yard. And then when I got to be 12, we traded lawnmowers, mm, you know, yeah, <laughs> because yeah. I thought that was great fun. I didn't think it was great fun whenever I had to do it with, the, you know, the real lawnmower <laughs> and then rake the yard and everything else afterwards. <laughs> but by that time, I was too late to escape. I had been tricked. My, you know, my sisters, I remember one year for Christmas, they got little mops and brooms and dustpans. For, for What did girls used to play with? They used to play with dolls. Why? Because dolls would teach them to be mommies. Mm-hmm. What did boys play with? Train sets and erector sets and, and, and building blocks and, and so forth. I'm not, you know, I'm not screaming against superheroes. I'm not screaming against, um, you know, uh, fantasy toys. But I'm, I'm, I'm saying this. Somewhere along the line, we've taught our kids that work is to be avoided, not to be embraced. Work can be fun. Mm-hmm. Work work can be pleasurable. Work can open up venues that do glorify God, but also that can be good for others. It's a good thing when you start a business and help other people get jobs so they can take care of their family. It's a good thing when you make a profit and you take that profit, and not only do you bless your family, but you bless strangers. You give to missions. You help the homeless. That ought to be something that we celebrate. And by the way, that's not the government's job. It's our privilege to do that. So I don't think, well, I take care of that because the government takes my taxes. No, 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 no. 
Government will never do things as well as you will yeah, do Yeah, they them. keep your taxes. Yeah, they keep your well. taxes, and then they spend twice as much as they yeah. take. No, but when, when the system works best, we live with generosity, but we also live with purpose, and everything we do has the potential to glorify God. I feel like I've made a mistake because you got a metal lawnmower as a kid, and I gave my child a plastic one that blew bubbles. So I may be, <laughs> <laughs> I may yeah, be uh, about to raise a man. <laughs> Did he have a unicorn T-shirt on? It, no, <laughs> no, thankfully not. We've uh, we've made sure that our boys know their boys, and our girl knows that she's a girl, even though well, yeah, they you, they want to tell us different and say different. And I know that's a whole other podcast. Yeah, but well, something somebody from a certain community wants to chat with you after the podcast. <laughs> if we could. Yes. Uh, well, we are running out of time. Uh, anything to close this out? I've enjoyed these two conversations that we had on this uh, yeah. man-child epidemic. Yeah, I'm I'm like I'm scrolling back in my head of the you know the 40 minutes we spent on this topic, and I'm frustrated with myself because I don't I, I feel like I've been all over the place. Part of that is representative of where I'm at in my own journey on mm-hmm. this. I'm doing massive amounts of reading and research. I'm having conversations with people of every age bracket. I'm trying to sort all this together. So right now, it's a little bit of a mess in my head, and I'll probably address this a little bit more in the future as it becomes clearer to me. But I just want to say to everybody, open your eyes, look around you. You can, you cannot deny that we that we don't have a man-child problem, and you cannot deny that much of what we've been doing has facilitated it. So what can we do different? Start having conversations. Have conversations with your kids around the dinner table while the phones are in a basket in the other room and start asking them, what do you think we should do? How should we address this? What would you ask of me? And here's what I'm asking of you. Have those kind of conversations, and that's a great first step. And I think before we leave this, too, I just want to say, and I think the the overarching idea behind this was it's all about the trajectory of your child's life. Yes. You're not saying if somebody is on hard times and they're 26 living at home in your basement or 30 living right, at home in your basement, right. if they have a job, a full-time job that they just started and they just need a little help for six months to eight, there's nothing wrong with yeah. that. But we're don't talking make about the outlier the rule. Yeah, we're talking about the kid who works six hours down at a fast food restaurant and plays video games the rest of the time and you do everything for them. That's the person that we've been kind of zeroing in. So, Absolutely. Dan, I've enjoyed these conversations. I think the one takeaway for me is just be a parent. Mm -hmm. That's all you got to do. Just teach your kids, be a parent. Because in order to give them a better life, you need to give them the skills and abilities to go out into the marketplace, make a good living, become a good father and husband, and uh, be able to be uh, someone who can give to to society around them. So uh, again, I enjoy these conversations. Thank you so much. And we will catch you next time on Life Talks. You've been listening to Life Talks. Be sure to hit the subscribe button so you never miss a new episode. Share this podcast on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter to let your friends and family know about Life Talks. We'd love to hear from you as well, so leave a comment and let us know your thoughts on this episode or any other topics we've discussed. Life Talks is a ministry of Life Fellowship in Cornelius, North Carolina. For more information on Life Talks or Life Fellowship, visit LifeCharlotte.com or you can find us on Facebook at Life Fellowship Charlotte.